BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, people ask me all the time, hey, what kind of gun should I get? I always tell them Henry Repeating Arms for a lot of reasons. They're made in America, family-owned business. They give you a lifetime warranty, over 200 models of rifles and shotguns that you get to choose from, all with the finest craftsmanship I've ever seen. Great performance, accurate right out of the box, and mine reliable ever since. Now, you start by ordering the free catalog at HenryUSA.com. They'll mail that with two decals and a list of dealers where you live. That's HenryUSA.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, glad you're with us. We are in Austin, Texas. Many thanks to our affiliate here, Talk 1370, the right choice. Online, talk1370.com. And we're here for a reason today. And I want to explain it to you. We're going to do what is the equivalent of two town halls for television with Donald Trump. And by the way, for you biased, liberal phony hypocrites at the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and MSNBC. Once again, like I did in 2007 and 2008, I'll do your job for you, and then you can criticize me. I love how this works, because you people are lazy, you're thoughtless, you're a bunch of sheep, you're incompetent, and you're totally abusively biased, and you provide a disservice to anybody that is dumb enough to watch or listen or read any of your crap. Just the bottom line. I'm just, and that's how I really feel. Now, I'm going to tell you something we're doing tonight. One of the biggest issues to now emerge in this campaign is about illegal immigration, the vetting of refugees, taking in refugees from countries that abuse women, uh, kill, in some cases, gays and lesbians, that are bigoted towards Christians and Jews. You can't build a Christian church or uh, a Jewish temple. In other words, countries like Saudi Arabia that give the Clintons up to $25 million for their foundation, another $10 million for their library, and they successfully buy access and they buy Hillary's silence about how abusive they are to the minorities, the very minorities that she claims that she has a monopoly of compassion for. So, We are going to dig deeper into this issue than anybody ever has from any of those news networks that I have mentioned or any of those newspapers that I have mentioned. 
They're so fixated now on talking about, you know, could it, first of all, Jim Rutenberg, what a dumb article you wrote. It was so stupid. And then Dana Milbank. And then I couldn't believe I get up this morning. I've been so busy. I didn't even have time to read this crap. And Je- I didn't even see it until I saw Jeff Lord, my friend at the American Spectator, Emmett Terrell's buddy, you know, his response. So I read the response, you know, really before I got to the depths of the article. And it was so st- Sean Hannity supports Donald Trump. That's the basically. And Sean Hannity offers advice. I'm like, wow. OK. And I said in the article that he's his own man. I said, I offer advice to everybody. I'm offering my opinion to any single person that will listen to me any minute of any day. But they're not focused on an issue like immigration. And why is that? Let me tell you what we're going to do tonight. And I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to do it tonight on TV and I'm going to do it tomorrow night on TV. I am going to give you all the statistics, all the information about the impact that illegal immigration is having on our country. You've got two very distinct views on what we ought to do to to deal with illegal immigrants and illegal immigration. You've got Hillary saying we got to not build walls. We need to build bridges. She supports comprehensive immigration reform. She supports amnesty. And she falls into the narrative that anybody that disagrees with her must be discriminating against people that don't respect our laws and sovereignty. Donald Trump, on the other hand, he wants to build a wall. Donald Trump, as it comes to refugees, he wants to build a safe zone in Syria. Listen to James Clapper, CIA Director Brennan, FBI Director Comey, Assistant FBI Director Steinbeck, House Homeland Security Chair McCall, and former Special Envoy to defeat ISIS General Allen, who all say they can't possibly vet and assure the American people that they can vet the refugees and that ISIS is likely to infiltrate that population. Now, that means Hillary's willing to gamble with your life. Donald Trump says we'll have extreme vetting or they won't get in. I I agree with Donald Trump. I agree that we need to build a wall, not a bridge. We already have a bridge pretty much from Mexico all across the border. I've been down there. Personally, a dozen times, we'll even drag up some of the old footage. I'll show you the drug warehouses tonight. We'll show you the the tunnels that have been dug. I went into an office building once in San Diego. I've been everywhere from the Rio Grande all across the southern border. I think now 12 times went down there for a briefing with Governor Perry learned a lot. Six hundred and forty two thousand Texans were victims of crime by illegal immigrants in an eight year period. As CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post ever discussed that? I don't think so. So what we're going to do is we're going to I'm going to start the show tonight. I hope you tune in right at the top at 10 o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock here in Austin. And I hope you tune in. Well, then if we're going to go all the way. Well, it's seven o'clock on the West Coast. <laughs> all right. I can do my math here. And I'm going to give you the statistics that the rest of the media won't dig into. Now, this is a big story. It's a big debate in the country. It's having a big impact. We're going to give you the crime statistics, murders and rapes and kidnappings and burglaries. And we're going to give you the statistics. How much is it costing you, the American people, the impact financially on this country as it relates to the impact on our educational system? We have to educate illegal immigrants, those that are on government assistance. How much does that cost us? Uh, our criminal justice system, our health care system. Where do you see these numbers tonight? Now, honestly, I would think that if you want to be a capital J journalist, that this might have been something you wanted to do yourself and just tell the American people the truth and the facts. But 
The bottom line is most of you are sheep. Most of you are lazy. Most of you are part of the the incestuous cabal that is D.C., New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. And you love to hang out with, you know, the media loves to hang out with the politicians and the politician staffs. And, and you do this for me, and I'll do this for you, and you leak this to me, and I'll leak this on my paper. And I, if you leak this to me, I won't say this about your guy. And then let's go out for drinks later. And then let's even go home and make, make out with each other. Whatever they do. I'm not part of that cabal. I don't know those people. So we're going to bring in tonight, you're going to meet family members who've lost their loved ones. Wow. To illegal immigrants. We're going to have two of them on this program today. And we're going to go over in great detail all of the suffering that that has been caused because they don't do their job. For example, Steve uh, Ronnebeck is going to be on with his 21-year-old son. Grant was killed. His son worked at a quick mart store overnight. Illegal immigrant came in and he was wanting to steal cigarettes. And Grant Ronnebeck didn't move fast enough because he didn't give him the stolen cigarettes fast enough. He shot him and killed him. He's a 21 year old kid working hard, trying to save money, trying to get ahead in life, doing the right thing. Life snuffed out. How would you like to be that parent for the rest of your life? I'd never recover. I would never recover. Done. It's over. You know, just I, I don't think I'd have the strength that a lot of these parents have. Now you do a multiple of how many parents and hundreds and thousands and how many crimes have been committed and rapes and burglaries and then the impact financially. And then you can get into other issues. Well, if somebody can cross the border at will whenever they want, because maybe they want a job and a better life, which I kind of understand having been down to the border so many times. The only thing I'm asking is that they do it legally, that they respect our laws that they respect our sovereignty. I'm just asking that they do that. I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that I don't think the first act as an American should be violating our laws and disrespecting our sovereignty. I think you ought to be able to follow the process like everybody else. Now, we can improve the process. I'm all in favor of that. And I think that people should have to pay for their own vetting. But it is one of the defining issues in this campaign. And I can't think of one single media outlet, print, radio, television, alternative media that has spent the time that we're going to spend in talking to those people that have been personally impacted by this. So we can't do all of this in an hour. So we're going to break it up into two hours. Hour one tonight is going to be you're going to meet families that lost loved ones, killed in the case of Steve Ronnebeck, by the way, his 21 year old son killed at the quick mart. Oh, yeah, that illegal immigrant had been arrested before. Oh, yeah, we let him back out again. Oh, in this crime, he raped a young girl and kept her and held her prisoner, kidnapped her and held her hostage for an entire week. And then when he finally got out of jail, the sentence wasn't that long. He was convicted of a felony. Anyway, then he he got out of jail and then he killed again and he killed in this case. Now, if you're the parent, you see illegal immigrant raped and treated this woman horribly and then ends up killing your son. Don't you think your government's betrayed you? I do. All right. So we're going to do that tonight and tomorrow night. We're in Austin. And I hope you understand our reasoning and our rationale. We're doing it because it's a story that needs to be told, a story that no one else in the media is going to tell. 
Now, we have other news today that we've got to get into. Oh, you're going to love this. You are going to love this story. So Hillary claims. All right, you got to move over here and right there and work. There you go. Perfect. Hillary now. Remember, she said she hand over, handed over all her work-related emails. Well, oopsie-daisy. You know, she deleted 33,000 of them. We know all the lies that she told about her email server. Well, it turns out that the FBI just happened to find another 14,900 emails that, oops, she missed. At least a third of what the law required that she hand over. Now, it's going to take a long time before we are able to go through this, you know, document dump that they didn't mean to come out. But we have been able to glean some things already, thanks to the good people over at Judicial Watch. They're doing a great job. For example, we've already been able to glean that in 2009, the crown prince of Bahrain wanted to sit down with the secretary of state, but he couldn't get the meeting through normal channels. How do we know? Because Uma Abedin said as much. So he asked the Clinton Foundation's then chief. This is all while Hillary's secretary of state. Remember, she was supposed to disconnect herself from the Clinton Foundation. No, that never happened. So she asked the Clinton Foundation chief of staff, guy by the name of Doug Band, for help. And lo and behold, a quick reminder to Huma by the Clinton Foundation head, Doug Band, reminding Uma that the Prince of Bahrain was a good friend of ours and that he donated millions of dollars and the prince, well, he got his meeting with the Secretary of State in 48 hours. Oh, sounds pay to play. You pay money, you get access. And we've gone through a series of other examples. Uh, I've never tried SlimFast, but apparently the SlimFast king, a guy by the name of Danny, uh, Danny Abraham, he gave millions to the Clinton Foundation. And guess what he got? He was able to buy access also. He got a meeting with the secretary via the Doug Band Uma Abedin channel. And judging by Clinton's own emails in the thread, she even delayed her plane's takeoff to make a sit-down possible with one of her big donors. Let's see. Pay-to-play, buying access, quid pro quo, I don't know, bribery. I, you know, Just a few little things that come to my mind. Other donors got action uh, via direct appeal to Aberdeen. For example, $75,000 giver, Maureen White writes, I'm going to be in D.C. on Thursday. Would she have any time to spare? Uma reply, yes, I'll make it work. By the way, we have tried forever to get Hillary on the show. We don't get any responses. Doug Ban went on to found a consulting firm, uh, which is called Tenneco Inc. By the way, the for-profit arm of Clinton Inc., Aberdeen in an unprecedented setup, okayed by the secretary, well, she gets to draw simultaneous paychecks from you, the taxpayers, being at the State Department, Tenneco, and the Clinton Foundation. She's getting three checks at once. Isn't that cute? That's not a conflict of interest, is it? Any way, shape, or form, all par for the course. So in other words, what it comes down to, it's very, very simple. If you pay money, you buy access. The king of Bahrain got access to Secretary of State Clinton in 48 hours by going through the Clinton Foundation. Uh, but don't worry, I'm sure you don't think this is corruption. Now, Donald Trump is weighed in. He's calling for a special prosecutor. I agree with Donald Trump. 
I'm not even going to touch the Daily Mail's apparently FBI files linking Hillary Clinton to Vince Foster have vanished from the National Archives. I wonder if Sandy Burglar shoved him down his pants and shoved him in his socks and ran out with him and broke the law and stole documents and just said, oh, I was just being sloppy. Just think maybe this is a case of sloppiness. I'm sure sloppy. it was a careless, sloppy he, he, he moment. Put it right next to his private parts was sloppy. sloppy. Too, so I can appreciate that. By the way, I'm always, hang on, I'm always sloppy. I'm always putting things right down my pants next to my private parts. I'm always very sloppy that way, especially documents from the National Archives. I just throw them right in there, right in my, in my underpants, right next to, you know what, and bam. That's what I do. I throw them right in my socks, walk around with them, you know, just happen to have documents in my socks and destroy them. That happens. Everybody can be that sloppy. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number, as we come to you from Austin today. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. Toll-free, our telephone number is 800-941-SEAN, as we come to you from Austin, Texas. Many thanks to our affiliate here, Talk 1370, the right choice. And we're doing this because we're doing something the media should be doing, digging deep into significant issues. Well, Donald Trump's temperament, well, Donald Trump, well, what about an important issue where you're going to meet tonight on our TV show families that lost their loved ones, and you'll meet some of them on our radio show here today, lost their loved ones to illegal immigrants, even illegal immigrants that had committed many prior violent crimes. We'll give you more numbers and statistics because the media has not done their job, so we'll do it for them, and that's our plan. That's what we're going to do. And, of course, we've got this big story about, well, let's see, the the most brazen attempt at selling access to our office pay to play than anybody else. Oops, another 14,900 emails that oh, we just happened to miss. I know what you requested it years ago, but, uh, you know, I had no idea that. Well, among them, we find out that Hillary, because the crown prince of Bahrain, do you think I give a rip about the crown prince of Bahrain? I don't. Think I give a rip about the Saudi oil family? No. The royal family? No. You think they like us? No. You think they want to gouge us the way they have for years and manipulate the price of energy, the lifeblood of our economy? You think they care about us? No. So why do the Clintons, why did they take up to $25 million for their foundation? Why did they take another $10 million for their library? Why do they take money from Kuwait and Oman and the UAE and all these other countries? You know, all these countries that are horrible towards women and gays and lesbians get killed and Christians and Jews get persecuted. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, the crown prince couldn't get access to Hillary through normal channels. So don't worry. The Clinton Foundation then chief, Doug Band, when Hillary was secretary of state, bingo, bamo, presto. He writes Uma Abedin. Uma He's a, quote, good friends of ours. He donates millions. Well, the prince got his meeting with Hillary in 48 hours. Good luck to you getting that meeting. I would argue hell would freeze over first before I ever got him. I never even get a phone call. Unbelievable. Let's see. We got another Hillary story that I just found today. I think it's pretty interesting. Well, Hillary re requested an Air Force jet because she was too sick to fly commercial. That is so sad. You know, you get sick. I think I need an Air Force jet. That's what I need. You know, for multiple falls, fainting spells, frequent complaints of exhaustion. Her coughing fits aren't enough to indicate there might be a little itsy-bitsy health problem in Hillary's life. 
Well, now we have an email from Hillary herself complaining about how sick she feels. Anyway, she wrote to Uma Abedin, I still don't feel great and requested an Air Force plane instead of having to take the shuttle from Westchester, New York to get to Washington, D.C. By the way, that's a 45-minute plane ride. 45 minutes. Suck it up. You know how many times I've had to suck it up on that plane? How many times I've taken... How many times have we been in that Amtrak? Remember the day we were in the Amtrak? You know, we take the Acela. Anyway, so... She wrote Uma Abedin, I don't feel great. Newly released email, part of the nearly 15,000, what they just happened to find. And it says, do you think you can get a plane for Westchester for the flight back tonight? It's going to rain all day. I don't feel great. The idea of playing a guessing game with the shuttle is pretty burdensome to me. (gasps) What do you think? Could, 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 Could there be any time that works for the Air Force? Oh, I guess the Air Force has nothing better to do. They're not busy people. And then it goes on. Anyway, the email exchange shows that Aberdeen helped arrange a C-21 cargo plane and passenger airlift plane to pick Hillary up in White Plains, New York. I'm sure probably the Energizer, as soon as she left, headed in the back door. All safe now. She can come in. Anyway, there's no secret she was not feeling good that day. The topic was brought up during a State Department briefing with Robert Wood, an acting department spokesman, and he explained that Clinton was just recovering from mild allergies. Now, let me get this straight. You have mild allergies and you need a C-21 Air Force cargo and passenger airlift plane to pick you up and the taxpayers will pay for it. Anyway, a transcript from the exchange goes like this. My understanding is the secretary is not in today, taking a sick day. Can you uh, bring us up to date on how she's feeling, whether she expects to be back tomorrow? Mr. Woods explains. Robert Woods, acting department spokesman. Well, she'll be back tomorrow. The secretary, as I mentioned, I think so on Friday, suffers from mild allergies. Her schedule for today was going to be a light one. Her morning appointments are able to. We were able to reschedule them for tomorrow. She had a, a light. I don't think any appointments in the afternoon. So she's just recovering from the allergies and she'll be back tomorrow. Three days earlier, on May 1st, 2009, a reporter noted that Clinton looked a little ill and asked about it during a briefing with Wood. Here's how the exchange went. Question. This is slightly odd, but the secretary in her two appearances this morning appeared to be a little ill. Is she suffering from a cold or something? And I only asked because of the whole swine flu thing and the fact that she was in Mexico in March and the fact that a member of uh, one member of the president's delegation did come down with it. Spokesman Wood says, well, Matt, you'll be happy to know it's only mild allergies. She suffers from mild allergies. And that's all of it. About a month later. In June of 2009, Clinton was uh, said to be resting in a Washington home after surgery on a broken right elbow from a reported slip and fall incident at the State Department garage on her way to a meeting at the White House. Can you please send me a C-21 cargo? Where's the Air Force? I need to get to Washington. I can't hang out with mere masses. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Let's see. We got a report. This was on Gateway Pundit today that a major polling operation literally changed their polling methodology after, it appears, Donald Trump came out ahead in their tabulation, their first tabulation. 
Gateway Pundit reports that Monmouth University released a poll today that had Donald Trump defeating Hillary Clinton. He was up 41 to 39 until they weighted the poll with more Democrats to give Hillary the lead. The original unweighted poll had 33% Republicans to 35% Democrats with Trump leading. The revised poll had 29 Republicans percent to 37% Democrats. And suddenly Hillary leads Trump 43 to 39. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. Let's see. The Clinton Foundation has been bombarded with these requests for favors. I see that there's a lot of it. Senior executive, this is from Fox News reporting, left uh, almost 150 telephone messages for Hillary's top aides at the State Department within a two-year time frame, according to previously unpublished documents now obtained by Fox News. By the way, she was supposed to be disconnected from the Clinton Foundation. Anyway, review of the State Department call logs for Cheryl Mills, longtime confidant, who served as chief of staff for the entirety of Clinton's four-year tenure as America's top diplomat, reflects at least 148 messages from Laura Graham, the Clinton Foundation's chief operating officer, between 2010 and 2012. No other individual or nonprofit appears in the logs with anything like that frequency or volume the review found. One of the messages Graham left for Mills in August of 2011 referenced our boss without further identifying the individual. Another from January 2012 appeared to reference former President Bill Clinton using his initials. Please call William Jefferson Clinton is looking for her, Graham, and wants to talk to you before she talks to him. Isn't that nice? You know, a lot of money, pay to play, buying access, quid pro quo, bribery. Hmm. Hillary still won't say when she's going to visit flood ravaged Louisiana. France's tourism industry has plummeted in the wake of terrorist attacks. That could happen here. You know, one other thing I want to deal with today. I, um, I am not going to name the person that I'm talking about. I had an email exchange with somebody that is from a very important state. I don't want to give it all away here. Somebody that is holding out an endorsement as it relates to Donald Trump. Person didn't want to talk to me. Actually, literally wrote me back and said, well, if you want to talk about Trump, the answer is no. Now, you can guess all you want. You're not going to guess who it is. Some of you might, but you can play that game all day. That's not the point of this. So I wrote the person and I said, oh, I understand. So I said, what that means is, you know, any person considers me a friend or has in the past considered me a friend. And then I wrote back. So I guess that means that if you don't want to talk about what I want to talk about, then, you know, you don't want a real relationship or friendship because you don't even want to hear me out. You don't even know what this is about. So I guess that I write. I guess we can have a phony, superficial relationship that is dictated entirely by you. And we'll only discuss the list of things that are okayed by you. So I wrote the person. I said, well, what can we talk about? And then I mentioned this person's favorite sport. We can talk about that favorite sport, but we can't talk about the Supreme Court. I get it. And then I said, well, we could talk about your kids, but we can't talk about how the debt is doubled under Obama and how Hillary wants to raise taxes $1.3 trillion and spending $1.4 trillion or the economy or debt or 95 million Americans out of the labor force. 
I guess we could talk about your relatives, but we can't talk about the refugees that will move into your communities and that our intelligence community says ISIS will infiltrate and the safety of the people that that are near and dear to you, your neighbors, your friends. I guess we could talk about technology and gadgets. You know what superficial relationships are like? Hi, how are you? And you really don't even want an answer. No, I'm fine. Oh, good, 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 good. The worst thing, how you doing? You know what? My life really sucks. How are you doing? Oh, great. Now I got to listen to this? You know, we have a lot of those phony relationships and talks in life, don't we? You know, you ask somebody, how are you doing? I'm like, I remember Tom Likas used to say to his audience, do you even care? You know, how are you doing? Do you, do you really care? And there's a lot of truth to that. We all say, how are you? If somebody tells you the life sucks and they want to tell you the truth, you really probably don't even want to hear it because you're too wrapped up in your own life. It's just a fact. And then I say, okay, so you want to talk about the weather? Was that on your list of acceptable things we can talk about? Or do you want to talk about whether or not we can use the term radical Islamic terrorism and the impact that that's going to have on the safety and security of the world for our kids and grandkids? You know, do you want to talk about open borders and how it impacts, for example, disproportionately black Americans who are competing for those 90, you know, we have 95 million Americans out of the labor force, disproportionately a number of those people are black Americans, a 58% increase since Obama's been president, black Americans on food stamps, black Americans, 20% increase, not participating in the labor force. I guess we can't talk about that, how illegal immigrants compete for the fewer jobs that are available because illegals are taking a lot of American jobs and driving down wages in the process. I said, can we talk about the the 12 million more Americans on food stamps? Or do you want to talk about, I don't know, your favorite book? 12 million more Americans on food stamps, 46 million Americans on food stamps total. You want to talk about the 8 million more Americans in poverty since Obama became president? A total of 50 million Americans in poverty. Are we going to talk about skiing, dancing, soccer? baseball basketball tennis golf i don't know whatever you want to talk about we're going to talk about the worst recovery in the 40s we can't talk about the lowest home ownership rate in the in 51 years we can't talk about one in five american families without a single family member working we can't compare and contrast the supreme court appointments that trump would make versus what hillary would make we can't talk about that one in six men in this country 18 to 34 are either in jail or living home with mommy and daddy We can't talk about Obama accumulating more debt than all 43 presidents before him combined. We can't talk about the lowest labor participation rate from the 70s. We can't talk about how Hillary Clinton is the single most corrupt person, the biggest liar ever to seek the presidency. We can't mention every outright lie she has told us. We can't mention how she has sold out her office for personal gain. We can't talk about this idiotic, imbecilic deal on Iran, on ISIS, on radical Islamists. We can't talk about Iraq and Syria, North Africa, Libya, Putin, Russia. No. So I said, all right, well, how is your favorite sport? You know, how is it? How's it going? Wants to have a superficial relationship with me. And then I wrote back. Then he wrote back and said, I'm not talking about it. No, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about it with you. And then I wrote back. I said, Okay, I said, as a friend to you, I'm telling you right now. If she's elected and Trump loses, you own this. You own this decision and you wouldn't even listen. 
And this person is one of the open saboteurs of Donald Trump for personal reasons. I think it's a major mistake for our country. That's how I ended it. I have nothing left to say. I just, you know, I I can talk about how are you, how's golf, how's tennis, how are your kids, what's your favorite movie, what's your favorite book, you know. I can do all that for about five seconds, and that's about it. And then I'm done. In a congressional hearing on July 7th, Director Comey directly contradicted what you had told the public. I had uh, not sent uh, classified material nor received anything uh, marked classified. Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true. That I am confident that I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. I never sent um, classified uh, material on my email, and I never received any uh, that was marked classified. Secretary Clinton said I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? There was classified material emailed. People across the government knew that I used one device. Maybe it was... Uh, because I am not the most technically capable person and uh, wanted to make it as easy as possible. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. But we turned over everything that was work-related, every single thing. Personal stuff, we did not. I had no obligation to do so and did not. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. All I can tell you is that when my attorneys conducted this exhaustive process, I did not participate. Secretary Clinton said her lawyers read every one of the emails and were overly inclusive. Did her lawyers read the email content individually? No. He directly contradicted what well, I, and let me just just yeah. he not only directly contradicted what you said, he also said in that hearing that you were extremely careless and negligent. Well, Chris, I looked at the whole transcript of everything that was said and what I believe is number one, I made a mistake not using two different email addresses. I have said that and I repeat it again today. It is certainly not anything that I ever would do again. I take classification seriously. I relied on and had every reason to rely on the judgments of the professionals with whom I worked. Secretary Powell has admitted he did exactly the same thing. He had such a distinguished record. You know, I, I have served my country as well. We both did the same thing. Now we know Colin Powell had a private email account. Just recently, Colin Powell's emails uh, were retroactively classified from more than 10 years ago. Right. As he said, that was an absurdity. I could not agree more. And some other parts of the government, we're not exactly sure who, has concluded that some of the emails should be now retroactively classified. They've just said the same thing to former Secretary Colin Powell. They have said, we're going to retroactively classify emails you sent personally. 
Uh, this really raises serious questions about this whole process. I think Colin Powell summed it up well when uh, he was told that uh, some of his emails from more than 10 years ago were going to be retroactively classified. He called it an absurdity. Now, we had a development in the email matter today when it came out that Secretary Powell and close aides to former Secretary Rice uh, used private email accounts. And now you have these people in the government who are doing the same thing to Secretary Powell and Secretary Rice's aides they've been doing to me, which is that I never sent or received any classified material. They are retroactively classifying it. I agree completely with Secretary Powell, who said today, this is an absurdity. All right, as we continue hour two of the Sean Hannity Show, and we're in Austin, Texas, 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. Many thanks to our affiliate here, Talk 1370, the right choice. And uh, joining us now, we have the ranking member, the chairman of the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee, Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz is with us. Sir, how are you? Hey, good to be with you, Sean. Well, I guess my first question to you is all the news we have out today. Now, Donald Trump is calling for a special prosecutor for all of Hillary Clinton's scandals. And he made the appeal at a rally last night in Akron, Ohio. And uh, he accused Bill and Hillary of turning the foundation of the Clinton Foundation charity into a pay per play scheme. That's one of the stories making news today. Then, of course, all of a sudden, poof, out of nowhere. Well, it turns out the FBI found another 14,900 emails of her, of hers, among which show that in 2009, the Crown Prince of Bahrain wanted to sit down with the Secretary of State, couldn't get it through normal channels, as Uma Abedin wrote. So she he asked the foundation's then chief, Doug Band, for help. And presto, bingo, bango. Well, a quick reminder to Uma that the prince was, quote, a good friend of ours, meaning the charity. He donated millions and the prince got his meeting within 48 hours. And then you have Slim Fast king danny abram he also gave millions and similarly he got a meeting with secretary clinton via band and aberdeen and that channel again and judging by clinton's own emails and the thread she even delayed her plane's takeoff to make that sit down possible now you know at what point do we say crimes have been committed here that she's selling access to her office well you know it's stunning to me you you played all those clips of uh, hillary clinton what she said is absolutely totally false the fbi director says it's false and what what was stunning to me is that the FBI director then says that they never investigated or looked at her comments that she made under oath. Now, what in the world were they doing for a year-long investigation if they did not examine her testimony under oath? I, I you know, we had to send him some paperwork so he could go look at that, but you got to be kidding me. Well, if you look at, for example, Wesley Pruden's analysis in the Washington Times today, you know, he writes, it's coming clear now that Hillary Clinton wanted her own email server free of any oversight from Congress. Uh, she keeps mentioning and, and using Colin Powell as an excuse. Colin Powell has now publicly, repeatedly repudiated her claim that he ever made any such su suggestion to her or did anything similar when he was Secretary of State. Yeah, he, he is clearly said that, look, um, what she's trying to do is drag him into this and use him as a cover and a shield, and shame on her for doing so. She set up this arrangement with herself. She did on the, she started this, Sean, on the very day that her Senate confirmation started. And uh, the inspector general was the one that found uh, part of this problem and made the criminal referral to the 
to the uh, to the FBI. So she created this mess. Nobody else did it for her, but it has put people in harm's way. The problem is you've got classified material that if we're out in the public would, would put people's lives in jeopardy. It is so sensitive and so classified that even I, as the chairman of the Oversight Committee, do not have proper security clearance in order to see it. Wait a minute. You can't even, as the, as the chairman of the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee, you don't have security clearance high enough to actually see these emails because they have been deemed that top secret. I guess maybe special access program classification? Special access programs. Um, I went to the House on, on Sunday the FBI delivered the so-called 302s down into the basement. I went in there under locked armed guard uh, to read it. But so much of this is redacted. And the excuse for the redaction is that the classification is so high that rank and file members of Congress don't have a high enough security clearance. It's that sensitive. And Hillary Clinton to this day says, oh, well, let's release it all. That would be even more irresponsible because it could get people killed. And I, All right. But just, now, how did we get these 14,900 emails this late in the game? And when are they going to all be made public? Well, thank goodness, you know, you got Judicial Watch going through the courts. The, the, the State Department seems to ignore Congress. They, they ignored the Freedom of Information Act, which is what Judicial Watch went to. But fortunately, there's a judge out there who is uh, forcing this issue. And uh, there's more to come because still, uh, those documents are not out there. We don't know what they say because um, we don't have them. Well, wait a minute. We know some of what it says, and it appears that this is what the situation was, that Uma Abedin was clearly the connection via the conduit, if you will, from the Clinton Foundation and this president, Doug Band, who worked for the foundation throughout her tenure as secretary of state, and that if Doug Band with the Clinton Foundation requested that a high-end donor get access to the secretary, that access was given. And it was given to people who gave anywhere between $25,000 and $10 million to the Clinton Foundation. So is that a crime? Is that illegal? Is that selling access? It does, is that uh, a quid? Is that like a quid pro quo? Is that pay to play? Well, isn't that illegal? If I did that, isn't that illegal? I would think so. I mean, look, you have uh, not only that, you have Cheryl Mills, the chief of staff, who, based on the call logs, the number one person that they got calls from and messages from was the Clinton Foundation. More than 140 or 150 times, voice uh, uh, messages are being left uh, for this interaction. And even the State Department spokesperson yesterday could not defend this. Could not say defend what was happening and now is coming up with this theory and excuse that well there's no legal obligation for the staff to have to you know have arm's length that is all right here's what, what i want here's what i want to understand so i watched james comey give that big press conference when he said he wasn't even going to make a criminal referral and then i watched trey gowdy get james comey the guy that we were told is a straight shooter to admit that hillary clinton lied to the american people repeatedly as it relates to this entire email server scandal repeatedly she lied to us. Then she relied on the name of Colin Powell to justify her actions when Colin Powell did nothing that is even remotely similar. And then if you're telling me that the FBI director never even looked at the comments that she made under oath to see if they conflicted with, with what the law is and whether or not she might have committed perjury. Is that true? Yes. What the FBI director is saying is that Hillary Clinton did not lie to the FBI. Now, this was a fairly short interview, no transcription, 
not under oath. Who knows what kind of arrangements were made? Well, that's uh, another thing. Why does she get all of these meetings not under oath when I doubt I would get the same accommodation from the FBI? This is a criminal probe that's going on. You're bringing in a key witness. You would think that there'd be some sort of recording or transcription or under oath or something uh, that comes along. But at the same time, he says, even though she's under oath, we never analyzed or looked at any of those comments. Okay, so I look at these new disclosures, 14,900 emails. When did you guys first ask for these emails? How long ago? Oh, gosh, it's been years. Yes, okay. So, So in the disclosure, in 20 email exchanges from her private server, remember, this is the server that was in the bathroom of a mom and pop shop that I'm pretty convinced somebody hacked into at some point, but that's going to ultimately be her undoing in the end. But she deleted on her own 33,000 emails, more than she actually even turned over. And there are 20 specific email exchanges in this new document dump that she didn't want to have come out from her private server, not previously turned over to the State Department, that contradict Hillary's assurance that as far as she knew that she had cheerfully turned all of them over. So in other words, she lied about that too. She testified under oath that her lawyers had gone through every one of those documents. A couple of problems with that. Well, well is- if, if I testify under oath and I lie to you or a congressional hearing, I'm going to get put in jail. That's exactly why Bob Goodlatte and I have both sent letters expressing this to the to the FBI, saying you have to do this investigation. There has to be accountability on this. But so far, they haven't. And I, I they don't. It's shocking to me that they think they have to have a, a uh, you know permission slip from Congress to violate uh, to investigate a violation of law. But the, they gave. She gave access to all of these emails to somebody who didn't have the proper security clearance. Now, she's not the head of Fish and Wildlife. She's the Secretary of State. You're dealing in classified information on an hourly basis. So what are the repercussions on that? And when she did give them to them, she represented under oath in question, I believe, to, that Jim Jordan gave her, that every one of these emails had been read and gone through by these attorneys. But the FBI director came back and said, no, that's not true either. And so when you look at intent, which is where the FBI director says all this resides, is about intent. How many things do you have to come up with where they're trying to subvert the law? And if you're looking at Colin Powell and how he did it, how did he get around it? A, I don't think he did get around it. B, that goes to intent. And I, so I don't understand how he comes up with this. Well, Colin Powell was very clear that he did not do what she said. Exactly. And he seemed pretty exactly. adamant about it. And, and he seemed a little pissed off to me. Well, he, I mean, he should be. He's, you know, he's an honorable citizen. And all of a sudden, she's dragging him in as the excuse as to why she's all right, let me, all let me, let me, you're a lawmaker. This, what what laws? That they're retroactively reclassifying is absolutely, totally false. They may have done that on a few, but the bulk of the ones, the ones that put people's lives in jeopardy, the SAP emails, those were not retroactively classified. That is an absolute lie. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm sure the if this was Donald Trump, we would be talking about it for the next 80 days. I doubt the media is going to be as sure. vigilant as we are. Ryan Lochte, his dad's yeah, exactly. life is to swim to the p- end of the pool faster than anybody else, and they bring him in front of the media, but they won't bring her to the same standard, and she wants to be the president. You know, my, my a member of my staff, Ethan, sent me a long note on that today, and he's right, and you're right. All right. Keep us up to speed, Congressman. Appreciate all your good work. Glad you're on top of it. Hey, uh, and by the way, when we come back, 
Uh, you'll meet parents. This is why we're in Austin today. We have a town hall we're doing it with Donald Trump. Tonight you'll see the reality of immigration that the media will never show you, and that is the human toll and cost with more stats and more statistics than you ever wanted about how bad this illegal immigration problem is for our country. You'll meet the parents who lost children at the hands of illegal immigrants. By the way, does anyone care about them when they when they talk about, oh, let's have let's build bridges and not walls? They're Americans in every way but on paper. Upon our Altamirano had come in and wanted to buy cigarettes. Altamirano then pulled a gun and pointed it at Grant. Grant immediately offered up the cigarettes and Altamirano then shot him point blank in the face. My son's death was completely preventable. Upon our Altamirano had been in the country illegally since he was 14. If we cannot get comprehensive immigration reform as we need and as we should, with a real path to citizenship that will actually grow our economy, then I will go as far as I can, even beyond President Obama, to make sure law-abiding, decent people in this country are not ripped away from their families. My son dropped his girlfriend off. It was her birthday. He gave her a kiss and told her, happy birthday, I love you, see you tomorrow. He drove about 10 minutes, less than a mile from his apartment, and was shot in the head by an illegal alien who went on a shooting. This should not happen. Before my son was born, I wrote in his baby book, and I said this to him throughout his life, and on his birthday, I would change it by adding in his year. I would tell him, did I ever tell you that out of all the children in the world, you're the one I would have picked, and I deserved to have him at the end of my life sitting next to me and Paul Ryan and other politicians that don't think a border is worth it. This is the loss. I'm not about to let anybody who can make a contribution to our economy and our society get thrown away. My youngest son, Joshua, was a senior in high school and had his whole life ahead of him. He went to school and never returned. As Josh walked up to the doors of the school that morning, Hermilo Morales walked up as well. At trial, the killer testified on his behalf and gave exact testimony on how he systematically killed Joshua. He first threw a punch in the face so that Joshua's vision was messed up and he could not fight back. He next kneed Joshua in an abdomen so that he would go to the ground. Josh went to the ground as his spleen was sliced in half. The killer was aggravated that it was not over yet. He was a black belt in mixed martial arts and thought he could do this without any blood. He was aggravated it was not over. He said he grew tired of watching bloody bubbles come from Joshua's nose as he was trying to breathe. Next, he took a closet rod and beat Josh over the head again and again until the rod broke in four pieces. Joshua was still breathing. Next, he strangled him. He let him go to see if it was over. No, it's not over. So he continued until there were no more bloody bubbles. He must have said it six times from the stand. He waited and he watched him die. He tied Josh's body up, stuffed in the back seat of our truck, bought gas, dumped Josh in a field and set his body on fire. The killer went home, took a shower, and went to see a movie, had popcorn and coke. It's obvious the Republicans are more afraid of the dreamers than they are of ISIS. Uh, welcome back. 25 now till the top of the hour as we come to you from Austin, Texas. Now, we're here for a reason tonight. And one of the biggest issues to emerge in this campaign has to do with illegal immigration, the vetting of refugees, whether or not it's even possible, and protecting the homeland. And we're going to start out tonight doing something that you will never see, I promise you, in the New York Times or the Washington Post. They're too busy telling their their readers, the few that they have left, that Sean Hannity is going to vote for the more conservative candidate. Big, shocking, breaking news. But we're going to do something tonight that nobody in the media will ever do. And that means ABC, CBS, 
NBC, CNN, MSNBC, or any of the nation's big newspapers. And that is, we are going to give you the human cost. And and by the way, it's not just money. It's not just the impact on the educational system, the criminal justice system, the health care system, with 11.3 million illegal immigrants entering the country. I have said for the longest time, the biggest problem associated with illegal immigration has to do with the fact that if somebody can cross the border at will and and they just want to come here for a job, well, so too can ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other radical Islamic terrorists that want to bring harm to your home and your community and your town and your big city. And on top of that, we have 95 million Americans out of the labor force. There's an economic component. And that economic component is every illegal immigrant is competing with those 95 million Americans without jobs. And sometimes they're beating out Americans for those jobs. And in the process, by having more competition for the few jobs that are available under this crappy economy, well, that means they're driving down wages for the people that eventually do get hired. But there's an even worse toll than that. And we'll show you all of this tonight on Hannity. Now, we invited Hillary Clinton to do a town hall with us on this. She she is yet to get back to us. I'm not holding my breath. But Donald Trump will be there tonight. And part of tonight is going to be hearing the stories of families that lost their loved ones never to see them again because of illegal immigrants in this country. Now, when Trump first announced that he was running for president, it was such a big deal. Remember? Oh, he said some, some, not all, some have committed murder and some have committed rape. And some are committing other crimes. Now, we're being warned on the refugee issue, like what has happened in Belgium and Paris and Germany and Great Britain and the rest of Europe, that, well, ISIS and other terrorist groups will infiltrate that population of refugees. And that means that what happened in Europe will likely happen here. But that's not stopping President Obama or Hillary Clinton, who wants even a 550 percent increase from the number of refugees Obama's bringing in. But they have their own secret service. They have their own protection. They're not going to be impacted in all likelihood by any of this if something happens. But we have two people on the phone. Steve Ronnebeck is with us. He's the father of 21-year-old Grant Ronnebeck, who was shot in the face and murdered by an illegal immigrant who had previously been released by ICE on a $10,000 bond. Now, Grant, well, he was working as a clerk at a quick trip in Arizona, when the convicted felon, an illegal immigrant, entered the store and murdered this young man because he wasn't handing over a pack of cigarettes he was stealing fast enough. And Grant's murderer, by the way, was a self-proclaimed member of a drug cartel had previously been accused of a violent home invasion where he was uh, raping a young woman and kept her kidnapped for a week, as I understand it. Also with us is Julie Golvach, and she's the mother of 25-year-old Spencer, who was executed and shot in the head at random on January 31st, not far from where we are in Austin, in Houston, Texas, while waiting at a traffic light. She's going to be on our TV show tonight talking to Mr. Trump. Now, his murderer was an illegal immigrant who had been deported numerous times after committing multiple violent crimes. Anyway, between 2010 and 2014, a group of 121 illegal aliens were held by Immigration and Customs Enforcement and scheduled for deportation, despite being scheduled for that, they were released and removed from the country. They have subsequently all been charged with homicide-related offenses. How would you like to be a, one of those 121 families in that short period of time? Mr. Ronnebeck, Julie, thank you both for being with us. I know thank the you. thoughts and prayers of this audience go out to you, and 
I know the rest of the media doesn't tell this story, but we're going to tell it tonight in a way that I think is extraordinarily powerful, considering this is now a front and center issue in this campaign. And uh, thank you both for being with us. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Steve, tell us about what happened with your son, Grant. Well, Grant was, uh, again, like you had said earlier, he was working the overnight shift at, at a QT. Um, a Polinar Ultramarino came in, dumped a jar of change out on the counter. Um, Grant wants to start counting the change and evidently wasn't counting it fast enough. Ultramarino said, aren't you going to give me my cigarettes? And Grant tried to explain to him, hey, I need to count your money first. <clears throat> Altamirano produced a gun, pointed it at Grant. Grant immediately offered up the cigarettes, gave them to him. Immediately. He didn't, he, what did he care? It's not his cigarettes. He's like, here, take yeah. them. Just get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Altamirano uh, shot him in the face, then went behind the counter, stepped over Grant's dead body, grabbed a couple more cigarettes, and walked out of the quick trip and got in his car and left. It, 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 there was no running or, or in a hurry. He just, it was like it was normal for him. Um, and then when you find out the background of this guy, a convicted felon that had raped and, and kept kidnapped a, a young woman for almost a week. I mean, you've got to be thinking, my country's not protecting me. I, bl- I blame the government. They failed you and your family and your son by not, by not enforcing the laws that are on the books. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, you know, he, he was able to plead down the rape and the, the home invasion to just felony burglary. I think it was second-degree burglary he pled it down to because he, he qualified for the DREAMer Act because he has children that are citizens. Um, you know, this is, this is happening every day. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Wow. Julie, tell us the story about your 25-year-old son, Spencer. Spencer was a small business owner. He established his own guitar shop when he was 22. And about two years into his business, uh, the economy was slowing, and he took a full-time job, one that Americans won't do. He worked at a warehouse, and uh, he was in the process of moving his business to a smaller location. And we had just wrapped everything up, and move-in day was January 31st, 2015. And so he took his girlfriend um, over to his stepbrother's house and watched a movie. And afterwards, it was midnight. It became her birthday. They stopped and grabbed some cookies. And he dropped her off and gave her a kiss and said, Happy birthday. I love you. See you tomorrow. So your son's a musician. He, he's playing in a band, which yes, is apparently a very talented musician. He has a girlfriend. Drops his girlfriend off, and like a block after yes, that, yes. this happens. Explain it. Yes, yes. Plus, he was a small business owner. Yeah, after he dropped her off, he gave her a kiss and uh, said, Happy birthday. I love you. See you tomorrow. Went about 10 minutes down the road, was less than a mile from his home, was sitting at a red light at the turn signal, and uh, an illegal alien drove up and shot my son in the head through the passenger window, and, um, and my son died alone in a vehicle in Houston, Texas. My son was um, one of four shot that night, um, two of which died my son was one that died i i honestly i'm never at a loss for words i just don't i just cannot believe that you have both have been failed along with so many other families 
on this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sean, this uh, illegal alien had been deported uh, three times before he was put in federal prison for coming back into the country again. He was a known gang member, burglary, assault, drugs. And while he was in federal prison during that time, he assaulted a rival gang member. He was supposed to get a mandatory 20 years But the United States District Attorney did a plea bargain for five years, and he was released in 2010, deported at that time, and came back to Houston and lived until he went on this shooting spree and murdered my son. If he would have just been given half of that sentence, my son would still be here. In other words, all these lives that could have been saved if we, in fact, secured our borders, or if we, in fact, in both instances, Grant and Spencer... Their lives could have been saved because we had opportunities to get both of them long before they murdered your sons. Yeah, absolutely. The federal government knew he had burglary, assault, had come back into the country multiple times and still did a plea deal at the minimum possible for, for this foreign invader. Wow. Steve, you hear this? How, ma- how many other parents have both of you spoken with that have gone through similar experiences, Steve? Oh, several. And, and you know, just to, something else about to add to Julie's. Apollonar Altamirano was served a um, restraining order less than a week before he killed my son. You know, the, the police have him. They know he's dangerous. He had pointed a gun at, at somebody else and threatened to kill him less than a week before he killed Grant. So, again, they had another opportunity to pick him up and put him back in jail or deport him. They didn't. There's there's families like Marianne Mendoza, uh, mother of Brandon Mendoza, Dominic Durden, um, Sabine Durden's son. You know, they were killed by drunk drivers, and, and you know, these are these are repeat drunk drivers. They're convicted felons. That they're staying in our country, there's, there's no reason for it. They should be deported, or they should be serving more time in jail. But for some reason, these illegals are getting a pass. They're getting... They're able to plead down their their crimes. They're able to, uh, but they you know, but once they but in the case of the the person that killed your son Grant, he raped a woman and kidnapped her and kept her hostage a week. Yeah, he should have been in jail for the rest of his life and or deported after he died. We could have sent his dead body back after he spent the appropriate time in jail, which would have been life from my standpoint. Absolutely, and, and yeah. but again, you know. You hear the government's blaming it on, well, their countries don't want them back. Well, of course they don't want them back. You know, they're, they're criminals. They don't want them back. But yet Mexico has hired an attorney for my son's killer to fight the death penalty. I've got to okay. run here, but I want to say this to both of you. And, and, Julie, I know I'll see you on TV tonight, and you'll meet Mr. Trump tonight. We're going to do what the media won't do. Um, I can't imagine the pain you both have. Uh, and please know that there are people in my audience that love and care about you guys. I know I know. in your case, Steve, you have a foundation. We'll put it up on my website. And uh, I wish you both the best. I don't think there's anything worse than losing a child, especially this way. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thank you. Remember, Hillary Clinton has some vulnerabilities herself, even as she calls for criminal justice reform because of her support in the 1990s for anti-crime legislation that ultimately helped contribute to this era of mass incarceration that she now uh, speaks out uh, again. Uh, We just lost uh, we just lost Brianna Keeler with some Trump supporters. Um, Let's play what they said. They've been duking people like that. They come out of out from under the rocks all the time around this time this year. It got nothing to do with Donald Trump. We're all Americans. I think we need to stop with all the racist stuff and the race being. Like me and my friend right here, we just met today. We was talking. You know, 
got to stop with the racist stuff and, and this, that. We all Americans, man. And nobody paying David Duke no mind. Um, clearly, <laughs> let me just yeah. be clear here. Obviously, the majority of Donald Trump supporters are not African-American. I don't know yeah. how many African-Americans were in that that building, but that is one uh, person that uh, we have chosen to cut that sound from. The fact that the emails are out there somewhere, probably, and that we could have a president that what? could be blackmailed what? over them. What? That's wait, wait, what concerns me. It's about our national invent, security. No, hold on. You can't just invent things. You can't just invent things. I'm not things. inventing you just anything. just invented I, I mean, an this entire is... thing. The FBI has already come out with a report on Hillary Clinton's emails. What you just said was an invented thing. Nope, the nope, FBI no, ma'am. Also no, ma'am. Said, you cannot yes, FBI also ma'am. said no, ma'am. that she has not you, turned over, she didn't ma'am. turn over all the emails. So no, ma'am. You there cannot you invent it. things. You cannot say things. You are, you're putting out incredibly inflammatory you information. You don't know I'd like to bring Hillary Clinton's actions into it. Absolutely. She was the, given the choice between standing with a serial sexual abuser and All right, Kurt. Stop, 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 stop. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not that fair. Can we fair. stop that, please? It, it is fair. not fair. It is not fair. It is a low blow. It is the, yes, I want to end this. So this is the fair. lowest of the low, and it has no. nothing to do with Hillary no. Clinton. Hey, it is just a cheap shot me. that, of millions of can you please America. stop? Can we stop? Can we cut him off, please? Thank you. Thank you. We're done. Thank you. We'll be right back. A girl who was raped by a pedophile that Hillary Clinton oh, bragged on. about getting off. Wait, let me finish. No, that no, no, Hillary no. Clinton, bla- what do you mean? Like, you don't even want to hear it? That Hillary Clinton is on tape bragging about, as a lawyer, getting off on a technicality. That woman now says, Hillary ruined my life. What's what? Okay. What's wrong? I'm going to leave it there. Clinton? No, no. Thanks, God guys. forbid I'm that I should. There. <laughs> I'm God forbid there. that I should defend Steve Hillary Mulsberg, Clinton. Justin she was appointed Phillips. to represent somebody, so she's got All to right. do her job. I'm going to leave it there. Goodbye. Hillary Clinton blames the victim. Number 101 when you're dealing with rape cases, don't blame the victim. She blamed a 12-year-old girl, a sixth-grade 12-year-old girl, of seeking the attention of older men and fantasizing about being with older men. There is audio. Wait, we, we haven't corroborated any of this. So, I mean, I, I just think you should be very... It's I mean, widely reported. Been, it's well, widely wi- reported. Widely reported. So is the National Enquirer widely reported. We, we, we can go... Mean anything. Not, can... It's not on this network, I would point out. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour as we continue from Austin, Texas. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Well, this was a big issue back in 2007, 2008, and I declared that journalism in America is dead. You have a montage of the media. Don't ever dare bring up, oh, Juanita Broderick, it's too sensitive, or Kathleen Willey, or, you know, don't bring up the fact that Hillary Clinton took all this money from, uh, the, got the Clinton Foundation, gets money from countries that, let's say, abuse women and say they have to dress a certain way and they can't drive and they can't go to work or school without a man's permission. In some cases, they can't even leave the house without a man's permission. And then, of course, the treatment of gays and lesbians. Oh, in Saudi Arabia? Well, they can get the death penalty. Same with many other countries. You can't build a Christian church and you can't build a Jewish temple. So there's bigotry against women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews. That doesn't stop Hillary from taking their money for a foundation that she is a big part of. But she claims to have a monopoly of compassion on it. Now, you hear anybody that is conservative. Steve Mulsberg was in there. My poor buddy Jeff Lord is going to join us in a second. It's usually eight, nine, or ten on one against him. And uh, it's unbelievable the amount of bias we have. But the big story in the New York Times and the big story in the Washington Post has been Sean Hannity is supporting Donald Trump. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Sean Hannity speaks his mind and offers advice. Wow. I'm so I'm so shocked by all of this. It's amazing. But of course, they're not going to do what we're doing tonight. We're in Austin, Texas for a reason. 
one of the biggest issues to emerge in this campaign has to do with protecting the homeland and national security. And that includes whether or not we should build a border fence, as Donald Trump has discussed, or whether or not we should stop with building walls and build bridges instead like Hillary prefers. You know, Donald Trump takes the position we need to have extreme vetting of people that come from countries that, well, like the types of countries that Hillary takes money from, and then they buy they buy her silence. You know, countries that treat women and gays and lesbians and Christians and Jews horribly. She takes their money. And then the issue of why is Hillary want a 500%, 550% increase in refugees? So tonight, you're going to meet not only Donald Trump at the town hall, but also victims that have lost their loved ones to illegal immigrants. And then we're going to raise the question, well, is it smart? Is it in the best interest of the United States to control its borders? Does it then control its destiny? And why hasn't the rest of the media discussed this in detail? They sure seem to talk a lot about me on CNN and MSNBC these days. I'm glad they're trying to live off my high ratings because they don't have any ratings themselves. So they figure, I guess, if they show video of me all the time, that maybe that's going to maybe convince people that they're actually watching Fox. For five minutes, their ratings will go up. And then people will figure it out and they'll hear the stupidity of liberalism and basically a regurgitation of everything the Hillary press office is saying. And then they'll Tune back to Fox. Who knows? Anyway, joining us now, Jeffrey Lord. He's a former associate political director in the Reagan administration. He's a columnist, author of the book, What America Needs, The Case for Trump. Also with us, Jessica Tarlov, a senior strategist at Doug Schoen Consulting. And welcome both of you back to the program. You know, so I get up this morning. I I have not had time because I've been on the road, Jeff, to address this idiot at the New York Times or this other idiot at the Washington Post. And I saw, wow, my friend Jeff, unbeknownst to me, writes two Two columns defending me. I mean, I was, I'm, you know what? You're such a good friend, a dear friend, and I was blown away by your kindness. I don't expect it from basically anybody in our business, but uh, thank you so much for, for well, defending anytime, me. Anytime, Sean. I mean, I, I read these things and they, they really drive me crazy. I mean, the absolute dishonesty in stories like this. And what I did, I mean, I just picked three different people from three different periods. Walter Cronkite, who went in and advised Robert Kennedy that he should run for president to end the Vietnam War, doing the exact the kind of thing that you're doing with Donald Trump. Philip Graham, who was the publisher of the Washington Post in the 1950s and early 60s, who was a friend and intimate of Lyndon Johnson and is the guy credited with getting JFK to put LBJ on the ticket in 1960, which eventually made him president. And then, of course, Sid Blumenthal, who was uh, well known as a Clinton friend when he was at the Washington Post and the New Yorker and and, uh, the New Republic. I mean, all these people doing exactly, exactly what you were accused on the front page no less of doing at the New York Times, you know, the New York Times. I you mean, know, I was so busy. Outrageous double standard. I, yeah, I appreciate it. And I got to tell you, there are times and you know this because I've watched you being ganged up on by eight people on the Clinton News Network. And uh, no offense to your employer, but I mean, it is the single most anti-Trump pro-Hillary network in the entire country. And I, I watch all of these people ganging up on you and I'm writing you in the middle of these segments. I'm saying I feel so bad for you that, <laughs> you know, and you do such a good job with it and I'm, I'm very impressed at your stamina and your patience and your strength because it is obscene how biased it is but putting that aside well, let's just say I, I remember my training from being on your show you know how to how to deal with liberals and uh, for that I am everlastingly uh, appreciative <laughs> let me ask you Jessica um, don't you think it's worthy to hear from family members like we're going to do tonight in a town hall now we invited Hillary Clinton to do a town hall with us uh, we've not we've yet to hear back. But don't you think it's extremely important to hear from 
members, family members who lost victims to illegal immigrants. I'll give you the case we just had on earlier in the program today, a father and a mother. Both lost their kids. In one case, the father of a 21-year-old kid who was killed as he was working in a convenience store late at night as this guy came in and robbed the store. Turns out that the guy, illegal immigrant, was guilty and spent time in jail for raping and holding a girl kidnapped, kidnapping a girl for a week. And the guy got released right back into the general population. How would you feel if that was your son that got killed? And then you found out that the guy was actually here illegally and you find out that he was sent to jail and you find out he got out and they didn't deport him. How would you feel? I'd obviously be incredibly upset. And I believe we discussed this on your show where often I'm ganged up on, by the way. Um, that I, I am way too nice to you. Now stop. Oh, yeah, so nice. Um, so no, nice I think it's you. incredibly important. And, you know, we discussed this around the time when Kate Steinle was murdered in San Francisco by an illegal immigrant who I believe was supposed to be deported five times and uh, remained in the U.S. And I think it is critical to hear from these families. I also, I also think it is critical to hear from people talking about the benefits of immigration and why we need comprehensive immigration reform and to also separate illegal immigrants who commit crimes while they're in the U.S. from regular immigrants who, yes, obviously broke the law when they crossed the border, but who came here for a better life and, to, you know, to pass on the American dream to the next generation. And um, interestingly, obviously, I'm sure you guys have a perspective on what's gone on with Donald Trump this week in terms of his immigration plan. You know, he's not ready to give his speech on Thursday, where, you know, he used to advocate for mass deportation and removing birthright citizenship, and now he needs a little bit more time to think about it. So I'm curious as to what you guys, you know, what you feel about that, because that seemed to be a central Okay, plank. but, but I, I understand you want to talk about the dreamers and oh we can't let the children go and and we keep oh, hearing about yeah. the refugee well, well hang on a second donald trump i think has a compassionate plan for example for refugees he says let's create a safe zone let's create a military safe zone let's provide food water shelter uh beds cots blankets baby formula medicine but let's not risk what James Comey, our FBI director, is warning, and Brennan, our CIA director, is warning, and our assistant FBI director, Steinbeck, is warning, and our House Homeland Security chairman, Mike McCall, is warning about, and, and our, our national director of intelligence, James Clapper, is warning about, and General John Allen, our former special envoy to defeat ISIS, is war warning about, and that is that ISIS and radical Islamists will infiltrate the refugee population. So Trump is, saying, Trump is saying, oh, it's ridiculous that they say that? No, no, I'm just saying potentially those people also that you rattled off are not against stopping our refugees. Excuse program. me. They said they cannot guarantee not one of them, the American people, that ISIS will not infiltrate the refugee population. Now, are you willing to gamble with the lives of the American people when we have an alternative to keep these refugees, victims of a civil war, safe in an area closer to their home? Are you willing to gamble with the lives of the American people because they're saying they cannot assure that every American will be safe? And they cannot assure us that they won't that ISIS won't be able to successfully infiltrate. Are you willing to gamble with your life and the lives of your fellow Americans? That's what it comes down to. I guess so. And if you put it that way, yes, I believe strongly enough in our refugee process and the fact that it takes 18 to 24 months to vet these refugees. It is completely possible that someone may slip through the cracks. But when you had, you know, coming off a week where we saw the picture of that little boy in Aleppo, which I'm sure totally tugged at the heartstrings for both of you. With all due respect, stop right there, because what you're describing 
doing is not the process because we have an expedited process at the current moment. And that means that people are coming in after less than two months of vetting. And on top of that, we know that ISIS and Al Qaeda and radical Islamists are actually training those people they want to infiltrate the population how to deal with the vetting process so that they can skate by. So what are you going to do when we let people in and they kill Americans? Are you going to take responsibility? Is there blood on your hands for supporting this? I, I don't think that there will be blood on my hands. And oh, really? Well, stop for a second. It happened in Belgium. It, it happened happen in Germany. In Belgium. In Belgium Excuse me. Completely different. It happened in Germany. It happened in France. It happened in Great Britain. It happened all throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. Women have been raped. The thing that really gets me about this, this is what liberalism is. It it is a total misjudgment of human behavior. Of course somebody is going to try and do this. Of course what happened to Kate Steinle and what happened to Jamil Shaw was, was inevitable when you do things like this. This is the way people can be. Human beings can behave. And to not understand that and not take precaution and not uh, take the security measures that you need to protect our own people from this is stupid, frankly, stupid and lethal. I don't know. I mean, you're also leaving out the part of Trump's plan, which although now he hasn't listed the countries in which he's going to ban immigration from, but if it's going off of what Ted Cruz and Rand and Paul had suggested that was 34 countries that are, quote, hot terror hotbed countries, which included our allies, which means that we're not going to be taking people in from France, from Belgium and these places. I, I Honestly, it's when you have Madeleine Albright, Henry Kissinger, David Petraeus, Chuck Hagel, et cetera. And I also believe that the people that you listed in the beginning, you know, James Comey, Jim Clapper have said that, yes, we cannot guarantee that everybody is going to be completely pure. That doesn't mean that they are against the policy. No one else, none of them have spoken out and said that we need to halt our refugee program. That's what I There's a disconnect there for me. So I know that you're just going to say it's liberalism that's got my head all fuzzy, but um, I'm not understanding why they're not turning their backs on these programs if they're so unsafe. I mean, surely these leaders of the community don't want us getting killed. Right. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you both. I I'm not willing to gamble with the lives of Americans and we shouldn't as a country either. Jeffrey, you are a dear friend. I love you. Thank you so much. You did this and it was such a shock. And although you're just such a good friend. Thank you for for being such a good friend to me. Jessica, I still love you, but you're absolutely crazy. Um, That's all right. I'll take it. As we continue from Austin, Texas, many thanks to our affiliate here, Talk 1370, the right choice. By the way, you can stream online at talk1370.com. I think this is a very important. We're doing two hours tonight, one for tonight, one for tomorrow night. Tonight, we're going to meet the victims of illegal immigration. It's become one of the most defining, important issues of our time and in this presidential election cycle. I mean, it's that important. Then we got the issue of refugees, which I think is equally important. And you've got dramatic differences in where the where the candidates stand on this issue. So we'll see. All right, let's get to our busy phones. April is in Louisiana. It broke my heart being in Baton Rouge yesterday. All the suffering so many people are going through. But uh, I hope we were able to bring enough attention to it that the country wakes up. I know. President, I'd rather be golfing. Obama showed up today a little bit late, but I guess better late than never. April, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, I'm April. I'm with the Livingston Parish Chamber of Commerce. I'm calling because I represent the business leaders of Livingston Parish, the area you were in yesterday that was devastated, the Denham Springs area, and all through to Springfield to the east side of the parish. Um, You know, one of them actually asked me, said, please get on there to call and tell you, couple of things. Thank you for bringing some recognition to our area. 
And uh, what a lot of people don't know or realize is the small business owner, the backbone of America, is who we as a Chamber of Commerce represent. Well, so, I got to um, let me let me let me tell you something, April. I want I mean this with all my heart. Uh, first of all, you have the greatest sheriff I've ever met in my life. I love the guy. We and agree. he is a wonderful human being. And what those deputies and what those sheriffs and those law enforcement guys and and that National Guard and then everybody in the community was able to do without literally the government lifting a finger to help them until it was way too late is nothing short of a miracle. And the fact that you only lost one person in Livingston Parish, having been down street after street after street, road after road, neighborhood after neighborhood, and see the, the how many elderly people were rescued and saved and, and taken care of, it's a miracle. I can't, I, I, words cannot and pictures on TV don't describe the magnitude of, of goodness that came out of your community. It's incredible. I'm, so, I'm, I'm humbled by what I saw. I'm you not know, that good a person. You, you, you can hear in the night. Um, I'm close to an area, and you can hear boats going in the night, knowing that they were picking up people who were stranded in their homes. So um, to know that the, the private sector picked in, I mean, kicked in on this, et cetera, it was a big, big part of the rescue pieces. But you know what I hear a lot of um, that we, we, we kind of want to set the record straight is that we are not New Orleans. We are not under, I love New Orleans, by the way, but we are not under sea level sea level or at sea level. A lot of us are at 43, 44, 45 feet above sea level. What this means is that a lot of us, including the Chamber of Commerce, because our business and our building flooded as well. We'd only been in it a year and a half. And um, a, a level of it that we built above base flood elevation flooded. That means that, you know, we built up to standards that we were told to build it to, and we still took in 14 inches of water in that in that level. A lot of businesses and a lot of homeowners are in that same boat. So we are not below sea level in the Livingston Parish area. We are above in many areas. But the river and the enormous rain is what really did us in this time. Well, I am, I, I got to tell you, it was, it was pretty, it, it was very, very, you know, I, it's sort of like sad gladness, so sad to see such tragedy and loss. And as you said, a lot of these people didn't have flood insurance because it's not a flood zone. And these people's lives are now upended and everything they had is gone. And yet, on the other hand, you see incredible generosity and kindness and goodness. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I just I wrote Franklin Graham as while I was actually doing the taping last night. And he wrote me back and I texted him. I said, I want to help with this effort. I'm right. I wrote him a check. And I ask everyone, anyone that any anything anybody can do, I don't care if it's a hundred bucks, fifty bucks, whatever you can do to help these people, they need it desperately, desperately. All right, thank you, April. God bless you. I'm, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Joe is in Connecticut. Joe, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi. Good afternoon, uh, 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 Sean. Hey, I just wanted to call. It's about you know you've been hammering on the, the never Trumpers and and how they're derailing uh, Trump's campaign and everything like that. I kind of disagree with you a little bit because Trump's in control of his own campaign. And I think he kind of blew it in, in several areas. I mean, right after the primaries, before the, the convention, him and his campaign had a chance to reach out to, you know, when I say conservatives or the people who would be never Trumpers. And, and they didn't. They really didn't. And they really didn't start offering anything until relatively recently as far as, you know, policy, you know, specifics with, with the policies. You know, and, and you know, I know everything that we don't like about the Democrats and everything that we don't want. But it, between Trump's campaign and heck, the Republican Party in general, nobody really 
knows what we're for anymore. You know, are we for pro-life or we don't care about it anymore? Are we for religious freedom or do we not care about it anymore? Things like that. And, and it wasn't just, in, it wasn't until recently that Trump really started to get to specifics. And, and unfortunately, I think it's, you know, one or two months, you know, too late out of the starting block. He should have been doing that from the get-go. The Supreme Court justices, you know, he, he you know, sat on that for a little bit, and then when he finally released, that was it. You know, it, it would have meant a lot to us if he could have talked about, you know, one or two of the justices saying, I know this guy, I know this guy's a good constitutionalist, I know he's, you know, not a, uh, he's not going to legislate from the bench, this, that, and the other thing. It was, it was really nothing. There's really, I guess if you want to say, no red meat for, for people like me. You know, and as far as people like, you know, Senator Graham and McCain and, and National Review, it, who cares about them? Nobody really does, Sean. You know, the only people who really... Well, let me, do, let, me, let, me just say, let me let me disagree with you, and I go back to what I said earlier in the program today. I wrote John Kasich, and I asked if I could call him, and he writes me back, and he says, uh, well, sorry, if, you, if it's about Donald Trump, no. And then I wrote him a long note, and I said, okay, I guess we can have a phony, superficial relationship dictated entirely by him, and his list of things that are acceptable to talk about. And I guess we could talk about golf, but not Hillary's Supreme Court choices. We can talk about our kids, and but not how bad Hillary's going to be for the economy. And we could talk about his, you know, his wife, who's a lovely woman, but not the refugees that will be moving into Ohio neighborhoods and illegal immigrants moving into Ohio neighborhoods. We could talk about the weather, but we can't talk about the 95 million Americans out of the labor force and illegal immigrants taking their jobs and driving down wages. And we could talk, talk about golf gadgets. He, he's a big golfer. And but we're not going to talk about how morally bankrupt and corrupt and what a liar Hillary Clinton is, because at the end of the day, you know, we, look, there are there are consequences for all of our actions, period. And there's consequences for his decision here. I mean, he is, you know, no Republican has won the state of Ohio. I'm sorry, won the presidency without the state of Ohio. And I'm sorry, his, you know, he made a promise on top of all of this. And he's not keeping his word. And I'm his friend, but I, he has disappointed me on a very, very deep level. And I, and I wrote him, and the last thing I said to him, you own this. I'm, I'm telling you as a friend, if Hillary appoints Supreme Court justices, if the economy doesn't turn around, if we don't identify radical Islam for what it is, and we have the consequences of all this, sorry, you're partly responsible. Because he's part of an establishment that is undermining and sabotaging Trump's campaign. I'm, I'm sorry, I feel that way. But, but the thing is, Sean, is, is Donald Trump is, is where the buck should stop. He should be the master salesman. He, he okay, but wait a minute, but there's a, but there's a choice here. You know what? You're not going to pick the perfect person. And I understand that people don't like Donald Trump's temperament stylistically, but you can't tell me on substance, on issue after issue, he's going to be better for the country than Hillary. You can't tell me any of that because I don't believe it. But the, the argument that's been made that, that's, that's, that I've been hearing, Sean, is that, you know, for, for better, worse, or indifferent, Trump is, Trump is going to suck less than Hillary. Tell me why. Don't tell me why he's going to suck. No, I don't. I don't think I, I didn't know. say. No, no. Don't put words in my mouth. I've seen Trump's Supreme Court nominee list. Who do you want impacting this country for generations to come? Hillary's Supreme Court nominees or the people that Trump listed and gave you the names of? Who do you want? Well, I, I, know, I understand. I'm not saying that you're, you're well, saying No, 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 no. I'm saying. Yeah, but, but I'm not. Listen, I am voting for Trump enthusiastically. 
I will pull that lever proudly and enthusiastically. And let me go through the issues with you. Who's going to be better on vetting refugees and keeping Americans safe and not gambling with their lives? Whose plan do you like better? Oh, I, under- I understand all that, Sean. No, 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 no. Start, no, no, no. Start answering because if you, this is where this matters. So Trump's better on the Supreme Court. He's better on vetting refugees. He's better on identifying radical Islam. Who's better on, on border security? Open borders? Hillary said, we got to not build walls, we need to build bridges. Who would you prefer securing the border, Trump or Hillary? Uh, of course, I'd support, I, 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 I'd want Trump's side better. Now, do you want, do you want Hillary's $1.3 trillion increase in taxes and $1.4 trillion in, in projected spending? Or do you want Trump's tax cuts uh, and, and Trump repatriating money and Trump uh, allowing drilling and fracking and, and nuclear energy and all of the above and coal? Who do you want on energy? I'd, I'd, I'd want Trump. How do you, who do you think will be better at job creation? I, I guess Trump would be. I, I, my, my point being, Sean, is Who do you think has sold out her office for personal gain? No, well, of course, Hillary. Who do you think is going to be better dealing with radical Islam, Iraq, Iran, Syria, North Africa, and Libya, and all the rest of it? Do you think Hillary's going to be good at that? No, definitely not. Okay, checkmate. There's nothing left for me to say to you. It should be a no-brainer. No. Everybody's complaining about the media you know, trying to sabotage Trump. He's, he's a master. He's a master salesman. He should do... I mean, you're at the martial arts, Sean. Okay. I forgot which martial art it was, but it basically takes your move and uses it against you. He should be doing that with the media. Listen, I think, listen, I'm sorry that he's not doing everything that I would do, but I didn't put my ass on the line and run like he did. I'm sorry that he's not a seasoned politician that would make people a little bit more comfortable, but that's not who he is. I can't change who he is. You know, I guess you get the good and the bad with everybody. I could tell you I'm not a perfect person in my life. I, I don't do everything. I haven't done everything. I was an incorrigible child. I mean, you know, I'm not perfect in, in my day to day life. I'm just not. And but I'm saying when I look at the issues that matter to this country and our children and our grandchildren, it's a no brainer for me. And I don't care if you don't like his stylistics. I don't care. I don't care if he's a little abrasive. I don't care that he's politically incorrect. I care about what I think what he's promising he's going to do to take a country in decline and reverse the decline. So for me, it's a no-brainer. And, you know, if you want to just wallow in the idea that he doesn't say things perfectly, you're going to be there forever. And at the end of the day, we will get the president we deserve. But I am saying this, and I, I'm standing by this, and I mean this with all of my heart. For those of you out there, you Wall Street Journal people, you know, you Mitt Romney, who I always liked, Bill Crystal, I never particularly liked, all of the people out there that are so upset, that are so angry, that think this is so bad. I'm just telling you as, you know, you will get the government you deserve. And those of you that have sabotaged Trump and undermined him and caused the base to stay away from him, if she's elected, you own this. You will own her Supreme Court decisions. You will own the 550% increase in refugees. You will own what illegal immigrants do because we have open borders. You will own her tax increases or spending increases. You will own her idiocy of not recognizing radical Islam. You own it all. Don't blame me. Well, Hannity, you were nice to him. Yeah, and I was nice to Cruz, and I was nice to Kasich, and I was nice to Rubio, and I was nice to uh, every single candidate that ran except Lindsey Graham because I have no hope for him. Sorry, you own it, and that's the way I feel about it. I think a lot of people are very short-sighted. Big time, AJ Houston, Texas. Big time, you come into the to the to the taping tonight. We're only two hours away from you. Big time, I wish I could, but big time, Sean Hannity. 
I got to tell you, you did an awesome job last night, and God bless you, sir. God so, bless you, buddy. Hey, and let me and, and for all the uh, idiots out there that's saying that Trump is saying what he said uh, to the blacks, uh, what do you have to lose? Uh, and he's just talking because of that to the white people there. Uh, uh, hold on. I watched that, and I'm pulling the level for Trump. And I'm a black man, even though they think I'm a white guy on the radio being paid. Uh, I, I'm voting for this man. But my message is to the black folks. You've been voting Democrat all your lives. Didn't nobody tell you you have to vote Democrat because you was black. But take a look at your life and over the years, see what the Democrats have done to your state and see how far you have. Yes, yeah, some of us got out of it, but most of us would love to stay in the neighborhoods where we were born and, and, and you know, and live that. But of course, what the Democrats have done kept the foot on the neck of the racist bullcrap they bring to the neighborhood and keeps it all bundled down. So the worst yeah. part of it is, I'm telling them, people, wake up and really I, go and make a change. Look at your life. And I, By the way, like as Trump's said. been saying, it can't get any worse. But you know what? It actually can. I wasn't wrong about Obama, and I'm not wrong about Hillary. Thank you, big time, AJ. I wish you could have made it tonight. Hey, you know. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The world is becoming more and more unstable by the day, and many Americans are not waiting around to find out how bad it could get. They're making the decision to diversify their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver. And they're turning to the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. Born from the tragedy of 9-11-01, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they made a promise to ensure that we never forget... And since then, they have been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. And that's heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Now, Michael Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. Now, he had enlisted in the military after graduating high school. He left behind a pregnant fiance who gave birth to a son that sadly he would never meet. And thanks to the generosity of listeners like you, Tunnel to Towers was able to pay off their mortgage on their family home and that relieved the financial burden and brought that family stability. This is what they do every day. They help Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's catastrophically injured heroes, and they also help homeless veterans. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity and commit to 11 bucks a month. You do it by going to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation.